0: Hello and welcome to night number one of 31 Nights of Frights, year three, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Alright, well with this being year three I decided to do something a little bit different this year. Next year's may not be as, I guess, as extravagant as this year's is going to be, but I'm actually covering four different franchises and one will be a slight re-record in order to make the episode count work. The franchises in this year's recordings is going to be A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Candyman, and Hellraiser. You may be wondering why I didn't cover the Halloween franchise. Well, for one, I don't own the entire franchise of Halloween. And for another, I feel that to do another slasher series, I think it may have been a little bit overkill. So I tried to go with some that are maybe slashers, but a little bit different. For example, Freddy Krueger is a slasher, but he's a little bit different. We have Jason from Friday the 13th. And of course, he's just a straight up killing machine, which would be more akin to something you would see in a Halloween film. And as a matter of fact, Halloween and Friday 13th, Friday 13th was meant to be a ripoff of Halloween, but we'll get to that when I visit that tomorrow. And that would also be another reason of why I landed on Candyman for this year. And that's because, again, on paper he would be a standard slasher, but you know, in the long run, he's different because of his story. And that would actually lead us to our final franchise, which is Hellraiser. And Hellraiser is a different beast altogether. Sure, it's got, I guess, slasher elements, but I would definitely not consider it a slasher franchise. If anything, it has more in line with Candyman than it has to do with Freddy or Jason, even though Pinhead has firmly established himself as a legend in horror movie history. So in almost Scream-like fashion, I think we need to establish the rules of 31 Nights of Frights, much in the way of establishing the rules of a horror movie. This year, all of my episodes are going to be alternating. So for example, one day you're getting Nightmare on Elm Street. Next day it'll be Friday the 13th. Then it'll be Candyman. Then it'll be Hellraiser. And of course, those are going to run out. However, I will have enough, I believe, to alternate this for you, the listener. I think it actually keeps it a little bit unique, and it keeps it fresh for me to be able to talk about one franchise one day and then talk about another franchise another day. And I think that is actually the appropriate time to go ahead and kick this one off. For night number one, we have the Heather Langen Camp and Robert Englund Starring... In Wes Craven's 1984 classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. A Nightmare on Elm Street, as you probably know by now, tells the story of Freddy Krueger who invades children's dreams and turns them into nightmares. And actually, forgive me on that, I was misspoken. They're not children, they are teenagers. Uh, Teenagers that all at once look too old for their roles and too young at the same time. And that would be Heather Langenkamp, who looks age appropriate here, which is a definite surprise. But that's pretty much the main plot. Of course, you find out later with the twist that the reason that Freddy is haunting these teenagers dreams is because he's seeking revenge on the town because he was a child murderer who, through a town mob, set him on fire. He vowed to come back and here he is. I think one of the best things about this movie is because it's establishing the Freddy Krueger character. He's not the Freddy Krueger that released albums and became a pop culture icon. This is Freddy Krueger at his most evil, and also the performance by Robert Englund is not over the top the way it was in later entries in the franchise. Instead, he is a true boogeyman here as far as some of the line deliveries. He wants to creep you out more than straight up scare you. And while I don't think this movie is particularly scary, I've seen it many times over the years and it's the one that I've probably seen the most of the Nightmare franchise. But his performance is very subdued and one of the other great things about this movie is that there's some really impressive shots such as the shot of Glenn's waterbed and more or less swallowing him whole. I'm assuming it's a waterbed based on the way it appears, but could be wrong. Maybe it's just a portal that opens up and sucks him in. Either way, the way the shot is carried out, I think it looks great. I know it was shot in reverse, and you can definitely kind of pick that up on the way it's done. But the wave of blood that comes out of the bed, it still amazes me that they were able to... I guess get a shot like this off at that time in 1984. It really is impressive to see even to this day. And I really think it goes to show that Wes Craven really had a firm hand on what he wanted to do here with this. And I do know that Wes Craven was inspired by the real life phenomena of people dying in their sleep from a nightmare and fear. I guess more or less they would have heart attacks and such, but it's kind of interesting to find out that he did base this off of a real-life phenomenon. And granted, the Freddy Krueger character was a complete creation of his own mind. It is interesting to know that it is based off of something real. I think Wes Craven's solid direction is really one of the shining things about this movie outside of the star making. Freddy Krueger, played by Robert England, his grasp on the idea to show the dreams in reality, he definitely makes for some semi-trippy visuals. It doesn't go so far, uh, such as the third movie, which again, I'll talk about that later, but it does somewhat establish the idea, even if the character and the whole idea of the dreams aren't fully established here. The second of the standout scenes in the movie, as far as really cool shots from Wes Craven, is the fact when Tina gets dragged up the wall and she's in a nightmare and everything and Freddy is basically doing this and I think it's a great shot. It looks great and not only that, it's interesting with the way it's done, such as when she finally falls from the ceiling, it's almost like she's gutted from Freddy Krueger's claw again a shot that done in 1984 was something that i don't think we've seen before in horror movies and it really does speak to the originality of the actual movie itself the other cool scene that i really like is when freddy rips his face off and it reveals a bloody skull underneath i don't believe we actually see that in any of the other nightmare films i'm currently going through all of them but it's a very cool creepy scene and I think it's great with the way it's trying to deliver like a true disturbing terror as opposed to jump scares or anything like that so I think the story and everything is pretty well sound and I think the acting is pretty strong across the board I think Heather Langenkamp definitely does a great job as far as giving a very subdued performance and I think it's kind of fitting with the way this movie is But it's interesting too because we think that maybe Tina is going to be the main character and the movie goes and tries to subvert your expectations and instead actress Amanda Wiss, she is killed off uh, almost midway into the movie and again her character goes out in a very spectacular way. I just think it's something very impressive because it doesn't rely on those standard horror movie clichés and what you think is going to happen winds up becoming something different. By contrast of that, I think John Saxon is actually good as Heather Langenkamp or Nancy as uh, her father. And then I think the one that is probably the worst in the movie would be actress Ronnie Blakely. She, I don't know, gives a very poor performance in my opinion. I don't think she portrays the broken mother well enough. And I think her alcoholism isn't carried over very well with her performance. I don't know. There's just something off about it. And I don't really care for her throughout the movie. And maybe that's intentional. Maybe I'm not supposed to care for her in the movie. I mean, in all honesty, the only reason I'd want her character to survive is mostly because I wouldn't want to see Nancy go without a mother because it seems like her father is out of the picture. I really think that this is a great way to kick off a franchise, and I know that Wes Craven didn't see this as being a franchise, and that's one reason why he didn't do A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. but this is the movie that single-handedly saved New Line Cinema. And one of the things in the opening credits, I really like that you're blasted with that red and black New Line Cinema logo. It really is cool to see and I think it kind of sets the stage nicely. But this movie was made with roughly about a 1.8 million budget and it made back its money within its first weekend, which honestly is pretty awesome. I can't imagine horror movies without Freddy Krueger being a part of them. And you probably thought that was it. And honestly, it is it for A Nightmare on Elm Street. However, I did want to talk about the pilot episode of Freddy's Nightmares, which is an anthology show that was in 1988, and I think it ran until about 1990 or so for about three seasons. I was never a big watcher of it when I was a kid. It's syndicated format, made it tough to kind of see episodes. And not only that, it didn't really seem to play much around me. Every once in a while, I would catch an episode, but I can't recall seeing it on a regular basis. And honestly, the episodes that I did see were kind of boring. I wanted to see Freddy, and you don't get a whole lot of Freddy. You get Freddy introducing the episode. You get him commenting, I guess, before a commercial break and such but there's a serious lack of Freddy appearances. And I guess I was missing the point when I was a kid that Freddy's Nightmares was just stories set in Springwood and well, I thought it was something different. But the initial pilot episode called No More Mr. Nice Guy features Freddy Krueger as he's on trial where he's known as Fred Krueger That's something important, as he was called Fred Krueger in the first movie. I don't think he's actually mentioned as Freddy. But anyway, Fred Krueger is put on trial for his crimes against children and murdering them and such. And as it turns out, it's a mistrial because he was never read his rights. So he's allowed to go free and the town goes and decides to create a mob. And they're going to do mob justice. And, get that, Fred Krueger. The whole thing does its best to try to adapt A Nightmare on Elm Street for a more sanitized TV environment. I don't think I agree with some of the perspective shots that were done in this episode. However, I guess they were done to make it more intense. And, honestly, it's an interesting what-if as far as prequel. I don't consider it a 100%... I guess, in-canon prequel to Nightmare because it doesn't quite make sense as far as like from a timeline perspective. And then also the fact that there's no characters from the movie, even though they were supposed to be engaged in killing him. So I don't know. It doesn't gel as far as a timeline idea. So maybe I'm thinking too far on it. It's an interesting what if, and if you really want to see it, it is available on the internet still. It's not streaming in any official capacity, has never really received a release over here. You can buy bootlegs if you want, which I don't advise or recommend. There is a Daily Motion website that had it and that's what allowed me to re-watch it. I do own that episode on VHS, however, I have no idea where my copy is at. But know that this is a Toby Hooper directed pilot, and Toby Hooper, of course, was director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as credited as directing Poltergeist. We all know that was Spielberg. But either way, I just wanted to mention it here because I do think it's important to note that this is how big Freddy Krueger was that he had his own TV show and. We did get Robert England back as Freddy during this uh, in a limited capacity, and I guess it's fun to check out if you're a super huge fan. I'm just not a big fan of the show in general. But with that being said, I think it's time to close out night number one. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Not only that, you can drop me an email if you don't do the social media thing, drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying this, this is my offshoot of my podcast that I do. My podcast, of course, is called Adam Analyzes. If you are enjoying this, I do cover a little bit of a more broad range of different films and subjects that I talk about. However, it is in a similar format as 31 Nights of Frights. If you do have a free moment and you're enjoying this, please leave me a 5-star rating at your podcast listening platform of your choice. It will allow me to continue doing this, hopefully doing 31 Nights of Frights every year, as well as continuing to do my weekly podcast of Adam Analyzes. Plus, hey, we all need hugs, and... I need digital hugs. (laughs) But with that being said, I'll see you on night number two. Be kind and good night.